This is the Bell Books and Stories podcast with me, Kay Hutchison. Welcome, you're listening to the Bell Media podcast and I'm your host, Kay Hutchison. Today I'm talking to a very special guest all the way from California. She is an internationally recognized publicist, marketing expert, producer, author, and consultant who has catapulted many celebrities to stardom and helped facilitate the rapid rise of the self-help movement in the United States. As president and founder of the Ford Group, she helped launch the careers of Deepak Chopra, Neil Donald Walsh, author of Conversations with God, and also handled publicity for myriad best-selling authors, including Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay. And today, in the world of self-help and spiritual thinking, she has made a big name for herself as a relationship expert. Author of 11 books, including the international bestseller, The Soulmate Secret, about manifesting the love of your life using the law of attraction. For the past 25 years, she has been living, teaching and promoting consciousness through all forms of media. She is the producer and host of Evolving Wisdom's Art of Love series with a mission to help people find love, keep love and most importantly, be love. In her new book, Wabi Sabi Love, she explores the ancient Japanese idea of highlighting the beautiful perfection of imperfection as it relates to love, accepting yourself and your partner exactly as you are. She is Arielle Ford. I'm looking forward to finding out about her rise to fame and what we can learn from her journey and outlook on life. Arielle, I'm so delighted to have you join me today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Kay. I'm happy to be here. Well, although I haven't yet met you in person, I'm sure it'll happen one day. Um, listening to your audiobooks and reading your books makes me think that I do. And what an incredible career you've had. I'm really interested in how it all started for you. Can you tell us a little about your early life and your upbringing, where you were born, what school, that kind of thing? Be really interested to know. Um, sure. I was born in South Florida, near Miami. And I grew up there, you know, did the usual things, went to school, went to college at the University of Florida. And I've had many, many careers over my lifetime. I I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had no dreams of becoming anything. And I pretty much fell into every career that I had. I, I started off as a paralegal working for the Legal Aid Society, helping poor people uh, get restraining orders against abusive husbands and divorces. And then I moved on to uh, producing live events like wrestling and boxing and race car driving. <laughs> and, um, you know, eventually got into doing publicity uh, full times. I started off doing corporate stuff and eventually moved into what became my specialty doing uh, book publicity for authors in the self-help, personal growth, spirituality sector, and opened my own business. I ended up having a lot of clients that became very, very famous. Uh, 
I worked with Deepak Chopra for 12 years, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Marianne Williamson, Don Miguel Ruiz, Neil Donald Walsh, uh, <laughs> pretty much absolutely everybody in that space. And then in 2004, I decided to shut down my business. Um, I didn't have a plan B. I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I ended up um, writing books. And one of the books I wrote was the, the true story of how I used the law of attraction to manifest my husband. Indeed, I, I have I have read that. And uh, before we go on to that, because that, that is really interesting. And just like in your book, um, you made me wait right to the very end to find out about your story, which I thought was really, really fascinating. But I want to ask, um, in your early life, what would you say has been the biggest influence on you as a person growing up? What or who? Um, none of it. I, I don't think any. I don't think any of my early influences <laughs> had anything to do with who I became. I mean, I know that they do. I know that there's emotional programming and all of that, but I don't look to my early years. It was really. My life, as far as I'm concerned, began on September 12th, 1984, <laughs> when I left South Florida, when I left that swamp <laughs> and moved to Los Angeles. And that's the day I consider the day my life began, where I was finally living in a place that suited me on every level, you know, emotionally, intellectually, physically. I was able to, uh, you know, open my heart and expand my mind and, and be with my tribe, like-minded people. It just sounds as if you finally found somewhere where you could relax and totally be yourself. That was part of it, but it was just, um, you know, growing up in South Florida for me was like being on another planet. I mean, it was just a very foreign place. It was it, at at that time, I don't know what it's like today because I've been gone a long time, but it was a very segregated, very racist, uh, very um, mean society, you know, and uh, it just, I, I found the behavior of most of the people to be quite ugly. And I wanted to live among, you know, free thinking, happy, friendly people. So you did that. So 1984 was the, the big year. And can I also ask you, um, I mean, obviously you were around all of these people who were um, writing books, but what was it that inspired you to become an author yourself? Because obviously um, I'm an author as well, but um, I mean, there are so many things that you could have chosen um, I, I didn't choose it, actually. So so really what happened was um, back in the mid-90s, I was doing all the publicity for the Chicken Soup for the Soul books when they first came out. Yeah. And um, so th those were written by Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen and, you know, gazillions of co-authors. And at one point, uh, Jack called me one day and said that, his line to me was, Mark and I were talking and we decided we want you to be rich. <laughs> okay, that works for me. And Jack said, yeah, you need to co-author a book with us. And I said, on what? You know, chicken soup for what? He said, well, you figure it out. 
So I spent a lot of time thinking about it and I called him and I called them back and I said, I want to write Chicken Soup for the Mystical Soul, 101 True Stories of Angels and Miracles and Healings. And they said, that's great. Okay. And they sent me a contract. No, they didn't send me a contract. They said, they said, you need, you need to, um, you need to write the book and, and then we'll send you the contract or something like that. I just, you know, dove into it and gathered up 101 stories and then sent, oh, I know what it was. They did send me the contract, but I never signed it. And, um, I sent them the pages. Why was that? Why did you never sign it? <laughs> I don't I don't want to get into that, but I didn't I didn't I didn't want to sign it at the time. And um but it didn't stop you. It didn't stop you. You kept going. No, no, going. because I, I knew the contract could be negotiated. I just didn't want to deal with it right then because they were my biggest client. And if the book never happened, it did, it wasn't going to change my life. But if they left me, that would change my life. <laughs> yeah, it's good for you. You know, I had I had three people working full time on that account because there were so many books to promote and so many co-authors. So I sent them the book and I waited and waited and waited and they never got back to me. And finally, I called them and I said, what's happening? Did you read the book? And they said, yes, we read the book and we liked it. But there are 10 stories that we can't publish that have to come out. And I said, well, which ones? And they proceeded to name off the 10 very best stories in the book. The craziest, wildest, most miraculous, unbelievable stories ever. They were like the essence of the book. And I said to them, why would you do that? And and they said, well, you know, after we've done a lot of research, we've discovered that our core buyer is Christian. And these stories will be offensive to Christians. And I said, yes, of course they would be. And they said, well, they have to come out. And I said, you know what? I don't want, I don't want to do this book. If you're going to make me take out the 10 best stories, let's forget about this. Let's just forget about it. And they said, okay. And I said, okay. And then a couple of days, and, and really I was fine with that. I just couldn't, couldn't imagine not having these stories in it. So a few days later, uh, a literary agent from New York called to check on another cl mutual client of ours. And she said, oh, what's happening with your chicken soup book? So I tell her the story and she says, well, would you mind sending me the book? You know, this is before the Internet, before email. You know, you actually shipped pages <laughs> a long time ago. So I ship her the pages and I forget about it. I don't think about it. Two weeks later, she calls me up and she said, I just got you a six-figure book deal with Penguin for your book, and it has a new title. It's now called Hot Chocolate for the Mystical Soul. Oh, how amazing. I said, no, no, you can't do that. And she said, why? I said, this is Jack and Mark's formula. I can't just rip off their formula and sell a book. I need to tell them about this. So she said, okay, but do it fast. So I get Mark and Jack on the phone and I said to them, I said, you guys are going to be really upset and it's okay to say, no, this can't happen. I'm going to be okay with it, but here's the story. So I share the story with them and Mark says to me, oh my God, that's fantastic. 
I want to write the forward. And Jack says, that's great. I'm going to write the afterword. And then we're both going to promote your book. And I was like, but why? I just took your formula and used it. And they said, oh, no, we believe in the law of attraction. There's enough abundance for everybody. And it's a great book. We're so happy for you. <laughs> well, that's incredible. I mean, actually, one of the things that's really nice about that story is you also knew, Ariel, what would work in terms of PR and marketing. So you had picked those wonderful stories and it somehow found its way to someone who really understood what you were trying to say. And so, I mean, it's such a lovely story. And also to have people who actually get the fact that with the law of attraction, you know, everything, anything goes really. It's what is the easiest route. That's brilliant. So you were happy. Well, yes, it all worked out great. And then it became a series and there were ultimately six books. So when I say I didn't wake up one day and say, I want to be an author, it literally fell into my lap. And that's what happened uh, a few years later with my book, The Soulmate Secret. I, I did not want to write a book about how I use the law of attraction to manifest my soulmate. I just wanted to manifest a soulmate. But what happened was people who heard my story started asking me how I did it. So I created an internet product and HarperCollins saw the internet product and made me an offer to turn it into a book. Uh, it's just a dream come true that, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? I mean, I, I absolutely uh, love The Soulmate Secret and it, it's well, so well structured the, and your writing style is, is very flowing and easy to follow, even, even when you're covering some quite complex ideas. And I particularly like the way you explain the issues involved in finding your right partner by actually looking at the experience of a range of different individuals and, and scenarios. Um, I mean, actually, it's really quite funny because um, I actually went through something similar and... I too had a list of all the things that I wanted in a partner. And like one of your uh, people that you describe the experience of in your book, I had tossed away the list in a book in the back of a cupboard. And several years later, I was actually moving house and came across this book. And I came across the list <laughs> And I was actually with someone who had all of those traits, just the way that your person said. And, and there seem to be quite a few people who've had a similar uh, experience to that. How, how did you find all of these wonderful people and their stories for your book? For Soulmate Secret? Yes. Oh, you know, um, I know a lot of people. <laughs> I bet you I know 100,000 people. And so it wasn't hard, you know. I mean, some people collect coins. I collect people. So uh, finding the stories was never hard ever, you know. That's why I was able to write six books, each of which had 101 true stories in it. And listen, can I ask you, because some people will not, believe it or not, some people will not have come across the law of attraction and how it's used to to manifest love and find a true soulmate relationship can you tell us what the law of attraction is about sure so we know that there's a law of gravity right 
we can't see gravity, but we know it exists. We trust that it is a universal law. The law of attraction is as powerful as the law of gravity. So in the law of attraction, it states that we draw to us the people, places, and experiences that match our state of being. And when I say state of being, I mean our vibration, our frequency rate. So if our state of being is, I'm a loving, lovable person, love comes easily to me, that will be your experience. Or if your experience is, I'm unlovable, I'm unlucky in love, there's nobody out there for me, I'm too old, I'm too fat, I'm too damaged, all the good ones are taken, I live in the wrong city, I was born in the wrong era. If that's your state of being, that will also be your experience. So to properly use the law of experience, the law of attraction rather, you need to first get clarity on what your desire is. So let's say for instance, your desire is to marry your soulmate and live with them for the rest of your life. Okay, so what kind of soulmate do you want? What are the heart traits and qualities you want them to possess? Now, this is different from a grocery list, okay? We're not looking for height, weight, hair color, eyes, income level, you know, that sort of stuff. We're looking for, you know, do you want somebody who is fun and funny and kind and compassionate and leads a healthy lifestyle and is financially responsible and wants to have children and live by the coast and has a good family life? You know, it's those more important kinds of qualities, because what you're asking the universe to do is to bring you somebody that you can spend the rest of your life with. So you could find the guy who's 6'3", 180 pounds, big head of dark curly hair and green eyes and has a million dollars in the bank. And they could be a mean, nasty, you know what, right? That's not going to make you happy. So you have to first have clarity. And then in the soulmate secret, I go through all the rest of the steps to actually manifest them, which we don't have time today, but I'll just briefly tell you that it involves A, having clarity, B, making your soulmate wish list or a list of your must-haves and your deal breakers, doing a ritual to release that list to the universe. And then this is the really important part get into the feeling state of what it feels like to be with your soulmate. You know, how happy and excited and content and safe do you feel on the planet because you're sharing your life with them? Because if you're living from the space of, I'm so lonely, I'm so miserable, he's late, she's late, when are they going to show up? My life isn't going to start until that day. Your life's never going to start because you're living in this space of something's missing. And when you're living in the emotional state that something's missing, the only thing the universe can send you is more of the feeling of missing. And from your own personal experience, Ariel, you absolutely know that the techniques work because you successfully used them to bring your wonderful partner, Brian Hilliard, into your life. In fact, um, I learned that you were engaged to be married only three weeks after you first met. You were that sure. 
and you're still blissfully happy and settled. So yes, we did get engaged three weeks after we met, but we didn't get married for a year. (laughs) (laughs) I do not recommend that you get engaged and get married in three weeks. Okay. That would, it would just happen that way. And he probably would have gotten married, you know, at three weeks, but I'm a very practical person. And I knew that even on a cellular level, even though I knew he was my soulmate, I also knew that I knew nothing about him. I didn't know if he was an appropriate life partner who had the capacity to live the life I wanted to live. So you had to really allow time to to learn to actually spend time together and get to know each other to be absolutely sure. But there was something there right at the beginning that made you both think we're going to give this a go. What what was that? Well, there were many things that happened. Um, So on the day that we met in person for the first time, we both knew instantly, although I wasn't trusting it. And the reason he knew is because he he had seen my face in his dreams for several weeks before we met. He had never seen a picture of me. He didn't know anything about me, but I had shown up in his dreams and I had gotten dreams with symbols and clues about somebody coming into my life. And I didn't know what he looked like or what his name was, but I also was having experiences. So not only did we know instantly, everybody who we were at a business meeting, everybody who was with us could see it as well. I was not about to, you know, jump into something without no. I mean, I didn't even know his last name. (laughs) That's such good advice, though, for anyone not to just dive into something. Um, And would you be able to share? I mean, I'm I'm thinking just now. I think at this time, it's it's really really quite a challenging time. And also, you know, romance or finding your soulmate, people might think, actually, that's out the window at the moment. But there may be some ideas, one or two ideas from your book. There couldn't be a more wrong statement. Right now, given where we are right now in history, it's never been easier to find your soulmate and connect with them ever. And none of this is in my book because it's just happening right now. So you would think, oh, well, I can't go out and date. Oh my God. Right now, online dating is the sanest, safest way to meet people. And video dating is the best way to get to know somebody in a really safe way and to be able to go deep really quickly. I mean, it really, it's the, if you, if you seriously want to manifest a soulmate right now is the time to do it. It couldn't be better, especially with having been on lockdown and, and you get to know yourself better and you get to know, well, if we ever have to go on lockdown again, what kind of person do I want to be with? What are the qualities that are really important to me now that weren't, you know, 60 or 90 days ago that I wasn't ever thinking about? That's such a positive um, way of looking at things. And I'm really glad you've said that because I think a lot of people are feeling the other way. And I think they'll probably actually think, yeah, that's a really good point because it is safe and you you have the opportunity and the time 
to really get to know someone, which is, I think, wonderful. Um, I, I had actually wondered if you'd miss your early life as a book publicist, but you've already said no. But that experience must have been so marvellous with all of the things that you have done since then, because you had all these brilliant contacts, but also people knew you very well and knew you probably delivered on things so beautifully before. Um, so I'm sure that book publicist um, experience really helped you in this new career that you had started. Is that correct? Um, you know, I think everything I've done is sort of layered on to launch me to the next level. I mean, during the time that I was doing book publicity, it was fun, but it was also incredibly hard work and very stressful. And I was, you know, making a hundred calls a day and, you know, it was go, 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 go. And, you know, until I burned out, you know, and then there came a day where I knew if I did it one more day, I'd probably die. And I had to stop and never do it again, you know? So pretty much my pattern has been pretty much every seven years I change careers you know, at the moment, I don't even have a career at all. I've just been uh, really um, taking it easy. I just finished, well, I'm almost finished writing my first novel, which has been a really fun experience over the last 18 months. But I have lost all ambition. And I'm just uh, s sort of sitting in a state of um, happy awaiting. Ooh, like that very much. Can I ask you what your writing setup is like? Because a, a lot of authors that I know, you know, they have something, a place where they write, you know, whether they listen to music, they maybe have a time when they like to write. What to, what do you do? And I have a, a home office, which is a separate building from the main house. And I call it my creativity cave and it's filled, it's very colorful and it's filled with beautiful art that I love and artifacts and, and I'm all alone and it's quiet. The only thing I can hear is I have a, a little fountain in a corner so I can hear running water and we live across the street from the ocean so I can hear the waves and there's birds. So it's, it's a very peaceful place and I've written 11 nonfiction books. So when I'm writing nonfiction, um, my discipline is, is to sit down every day, five days a week and write a minimum of 500 words. But in writing a novel, it's not because I don't have an outline and it's, it's a totally different process. It's, it's much more comes in, in bits and starts with inspiration. So some days I write a lot and sometimes I don't write for a week, um, but I always write in the same place, which is here at my desk. And what's your new novel called? Does it have a, a title already? The title is so good and so rare. I'm actually not, I'm not giving it out yet. Ooh, excellent. Well, I look forward to it. You're good at, you're very good at titles, I think. Yeah. And uh, you were just saying that you're in a, a sort of peaceful stage at the moment. But, you know, when I look um, at the things that you've done, all your commitments, blogging and speaking engagements and this travel and this conferences all around the world, um, you know, I, I was just thinking, how on earth does Ariel find time to write with all of these other things going on? But presumably you have deliberately calmed that that whole side of what you do down at the moment. Or is it just because it's natural? No, I, I, um, I love to travel for pleasure. 
And of course, that's off the table. I probably won't be doing any major trips for at least a year. And I limit my speaking, uh, you know, a lot. So even though it looks like I'm always on the go, I'm really not. So uh, I'm pretty much a homebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's really nice. Um, I was going to, to ask you about um, your trips to India because I'm a keen traveler as well. And I went to India to do an Ayurvedic uh, retreat and enjoyed, uh, I mean, a most fantastic trip there. But I think you have done some really interesting trips as well. You've been doing trips where you've tried some different things that you looked at. Is it Nada readings? Yes. Um, yeah, I've been to India eight times and they're called Nadi readings. And up until recently, you had to go to India to do them in person. And essentially what happened was 5,000 years ago, there was this seer who wrote down the forecast in the future of people. He wrote them onto palm leaves. And then they were used, uh, I don't want to use the word fortune telling, but that's the best word I can come up with right now. And if they found your palm leaf, a priest would read them because they were written in ancient Tamil and you'd have an interpreter and your whole life story is written on this leaf. So Deepak Chopra had taken me to India with him a couple of times. And I, Brian and I actually had these readings twice and they were beyond accurate. They were incredible and they were in the middle of nowhere. Literally, it was a six hour drive into the jungle in the middle of nowhere, you know, in a hut, you know, a hut with an outhouse, you know, like there's no way they could research you on the Internet. Uh, that didn't exist. The only thing they had in advance was they had your thumbprint. And by using your thumbprint, they would find your leaf and then they would give you this reading. So it, it was just mind-blowingly accurate and interesting. And then uh, last year, I got a call from uh, a gentleman who told me that he now offers these naughty readings via Zoom. You know, so you're... You can be in the UK or the US and the readers are in South India and there's a process. And in fact, I, I did it. I did the process with him and it was as mind blowing as the same experience I had in India. And in fact, last night, one of my best friends had her reading via Zoom. It's a three hour reading. So, you know, the best thing to do is write down this, this URL and that's how you can learn more about it. It's called mynaughtyreading.com. And naughty is spelled N-A-D-I, mynaughtyreading.com. And all the information's there. And if you want to sign up for it, you know, there's a way to do that. It's a slow process. It doesn't happen instantaneously, but it's all explained there. I think, I think that's uh, quite reassuring that it's not just a, a quick fix as you know my my own book my life and 37 therapies is a midlife crisis therapy book and I was trying absolutely everything but I I didn't come across the Nadi Palm reading so I'll need to add them um, but one of the things that I like about your book um, Secret Soulmate is that it focuses 
on a single area because at that time when I was um, really trying everything, I think I was a bit, you know, a, a lot of things were overlapping with other things, you know, crystals and there was Reiki and reflexology and homeopathy and I was trying, you know, I was doing yoga and I was doing astrology readings. The one that I had was in India. But actually what I loved about your book was the fact that, you know, you really have quite a guide to help you through one area of your life. And, and in a way, you kind of need your book for all of the different aspects of, of your life, you know, your career, or it could be your health, as well as your love life. But I really enjoyed that. But I wonder, though, does everyone definitely have a soulmate in this life? And is it possible to have more than one in a lifetime here? Well, yes and yes. So so first, let's define what a soulmate is. A soulmate is somebody you can completely be yourself with, somebody with whom you share unconditional love. And when you look into their eyes, you have the experience of being home. So based on that definition, everybody has many soulmates, whether it's your parents, your children, your siblings, your best friends, your cats or your dogs. There are lots of people that fit into that definition. And then if it's a romantic soulmate that you have a desire for, the one of the fastest ways to bring them into your life is to start a daily gratitude process where you're giving thanks for all the love you already have. Because when your attention and your energy and your frequency is focused on all the love you already have, your heart becomes magnetic to bringing in even more love. Well, I think that's a lesson that all of us could learn and also need to remind ourselves about continuously because I think sometimes we can get drawn into the negativity. And I really take away this thing about being positive and, and getting that sort of positive energetic feel into every single day. What would you say, Ariel, to people who are sceptical about the, the premise about attracting your soulmate in this way? <laughs> I pretty much don't talk to skeptical people. <laughs> I All you have to do is, is look at the results of people who practice this, okay? I mean, like the soulmate secret has had tens of thousands of men and women of all ages and sizes around the world help them bring love into their life. I have personally manifested everything in my life. My, you know, I didn't just start with manifesting a soulmate. I used what I had used to manifest my career and all those famous clients I just named off and all of that, that all came out of using law of attraction, all the travel that I've done. Uh, the law of attraction works. I'm not going to fight or argue with somebody. You know, it's like trying to change somebody who, who thinks Trump is a good president. I'm not going to try and change their mind. You know, let's just look at the facts. Yeah. I'm a very grounded, reasonable, pragmatic person. The facts are what you put your attention on grows. And, and also you can't change others. You can only change yourself, which I think comes through from everything that you're saying. And it's worth spending some time on your own positive energy. A challenge I like to give people is, you know, don't try to believe anything I say. Just read the book and do it and then decide for yourself. 
you know, that's all there is to do is just to give it a try. It's like, um, let's see if there's a good analogy for that, but it's, a, it's, it's, I have this older brain right now. So my memory goes, um, <laughs> oh, I, this, listen at the bottom of the, this stuff really works. I know that it works. You can try it for yourself. Uh, I've got lots of free assets and ways to try it on my website at, at soulmatesecret.com. There's a tab called free stuff. <laughs> we like that. <laughs> and uh, listen, just going back to your travels, and obviously we're looking forward to being, a- being able to travel again. But in all those different countries, um, is your experience different in the different cultures or are all cultures the same when it comes to uh, this law of attraction? Or are, are you received differently by audiences and readers in different places? Uh, no, although I, I once taught the Soulmate Secret Workshop in Kuwait, in the Middle East, and I had 80 women dressed in burqas. And, and I really thought, oh, this is going to be different. But the only thing that was different about it was, you know, these girls want love just like everybody else wants love. The only thing that's different is that there's no dating in Kuwait. And there's a lot of arranged marriages, but the, but the process is still the same. You know, if you can have clarity on the type of, of soulmate and relationship you want to have, and you can start living as if and living in the feeling and the anticipation and the excitement of having love, and you want to share your vision for love with whoever in your family's making choices for you. You can influence all of that. It doesn't really matter how your soulmate comes to you. If you are open, willing, and available and have clarity about having this love in your life. Wonderful. Um, So can you tell us something about Wabi Sabi Love? I mean, such a great title. As I say, I'm, I'm really excited about your new book because you are very good at titles. So a, a bit about that and also what's next for you in the coming years. Sure. Um, so wabi-sabi is an ancient Japanese aesthetic that seeks to find beauty and perfection and imperfection. So let's imagine that you were holding on to a big, ancient, priceless Ming vase And this vase had a long crooked crack down the center of it. The Japanese would take this broken vase and they would put it on a pedestal and they would shine a spotlight on the crack. So Wabi Sabi is about learning to honor and enjoy and appreciate the cracks in ourselves and especially those in our mate. Wonderful. That's an absolutely brilliant place to close, Ariel. I've really enjoyed talking with you and gaining an insight into your books and techniques. And you're obviously a kind of living, breathing example of the success of the the law of attraction, which is great. Uh, I'd like to include some information for anyone wanting to find out more about you and your books. So as Ariel said, check out www.soulmatesecret.com after the book we were talking about, The Soulmate Secret. It's a great read or listen, and there's all the information you could need about Ariel's work, 
blogs, events, and free stuff, and lots of success stories too um, about the people who tried the techniques and found their true soulmates. I'll include these links within the podcast too. Uh, so thank you very much to my very special guest, Arielle Ford, and also my thanks to you for listening to the Bell Books and Stories podcast. The producer was Perrin Sledge, and I'm Kay Hutchison. Hope you'll join me next time. Bye for now.